Praise God. So I, so just so that we officially know, we're supposed to use props on uh, Wednesday night. This is my prop. I've used it before. How many of you are blessed by Pastor Alex's message on Sunday? Did you all get a, a whole mouthful of wisdom? It was so good. I think that was, thank you, sir. I was so blessed by that. So blessed. And so I'm going to pick up a little bit on uh, for sure the scripture that he, uh, that he shared with us. Uh, but I, I, I want to start by, by saying this, that as the more I'm studying, you know, all of the things about how this natural world works, and, you know, we've, we've spent the time talking about this finite realm and understanding how that interacts with the infinite realm, and that's really our job. The New Testament world is beginning to understand how to uh, live and move things back and forth from one realm to another. Uh, and what I'm, what I'm sort of zeroing in on most of all is that the, the most significant uh, power, if you think about all of the power that is available in the finite realm, this world that we live in or that we mostly live in, uh, the most powerful force uh, in this dimension is discontentment. You know, it's such an enormously powerful tool and human beings have benefited in, in a sense, or we have moved humanity forward, discovery after discovery, achievement after achievement, a lot of times because we have been very discontent, uh, very focused on the thing that we didn't have, focused on the problem that we are trying to solve and the, the fact that that problem is causing so much discontentment. Um, but what I'm beginning to discover, and I think the Lord has been sort of had me on this cycle now for oh, probably a decade or so, is that the way we access the infinite realm, the door, the, how do you get through that doorway, uh, which then gives you the, the, you know, the real power of what it means to be a human being. The way that you get to that doorway is through contentment. And so understanding these, what would appear to be opposing forces, they're not really opposing in the sense that they are the keys to two different realms. Yes, discontentment works here. The most powerful force of mankind's forward movement has been discontentment. But I believe we're gonna be coming into a different season when it comes to understanding how the force of contentment works. And that if we could get hold of that, and we'll talk a little bit about that tonight, if we can get hold of this concept of contentment, I think Pastor Alex kind of said it on Sunday or maybe one of the last couple times he taught, was that the, you know, in order to get through to the infinite realm, you have to let go of the finite realm. Right? If you want to get into the flow of resources, you have to first let go of your need for resources on this side. And you know that had such a profound way of communicating that, but realizing then that we really do, uh, let's put it like this, you know, think about whether you know a lot of people who you would describe as content. Not content in the sense that they've just diminished their life to a place where they no longer worry about anything. I'm talking about somebody who's in forward motion, really getting, moving towards the destiny that God has for them, the purpose, as Pastor Tina was saying. But they are moving forward in a content way. 
when you have figured out and you have you, you know began to utilize these tools that you know you would say as you you know sp as your days begin to unfold that you're starting to notice that I'm just more and more and more content. I'm accelerating more and more towards my destiny and, and towards what God has for me, but I'm doing so in a very contented way. I, I, I tell you, if I would have understood this 30 years ago, that the measure of my spirituality uh, is very much measured in my ability to remain content not to diminish my life to the place where I'm, I've got, you know, I've, you know, I've brought the bar so far down that I can be content anywhere. Not, although that's a bit of it, and I think religion has done a lot of that over the years, but it's really not, I believe, what God is talking about. I believe that he wants us on a trajectory of really moving quickly towards our destiny, but being able to do it in a form that we are content. And so I'm going to read the same, if I can, the same scripture. If you turn over to Philippians chapter 4, uh, Pastor Alex did such a great job of kind of zeroing in on the fact that Paul was probably, it certainly would appear that if you read the Paul guy who is in the book of Acts, he would probably be the least likely person that God would use to begin to bring some understanding of what it means to be content because he didn't really seem to have that one on lock at all. But then when he gets to the end of his journey, he, he's, he, had, he, had, he had been empowered to figure something out. And if contentment, if this battle that we have between, you know, you'd think the more content I am, the less I get done in this world. So I really have to figure out ways to become more and more discontent in order to motivate myself in order to get something done. Uh, although that works to a certain degree, I don't think it's the God plan. I think that's where we run into a lot of problems and I watch a lot of people get into stress problems and relationship problems, financial problems, health problems, all of these type of things driven by this overwhelming sense of discontentment that they constantly blanket their lives in. Instead of that, let's begin to discover something else. We're going to take some time with that tonight, just in the few minutes that we have. And if, if you want to pick up with me in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and pure and lovely, of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy, think on these things. Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace of God shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, and now that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you also were careful but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, that's what Alex was saying, Pastor Alex was saying on Sunday, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And so what I think, uh, uh, Pastor Alex kind of took the scripture from there to the end of chapter four. I'd like to spend the time really in the, maybe making a list of what was in Paul's mind as he was uh, bringing the Philippians over to this concept of being content. And so if we take a look backwards there, it's, he, he kind of gives us a, uh, a list of four things that 
I believe are essential for our journey in this discovery of what it means to be content. And in verse 4 there, it says rejoice. In verse 5, it says moderation or reduce. In verse 6, it says be careful for nothing or release. And then in verse 8, it talks about think on these things or rehearse. And so in Pastor Alex's beautiful style, we can go re rejoice, reduce, release, and rehearse. And if we begin to develop some mastery in these things, we're going to see ourselves move towards this uh, amazing place uh, that God intends every human to get to, and that is this place called content. And so number one, I'm going to skip through it very quickly because of time. Pastor Alex did a great job with it on Sunday, talking about rejoice. Paul says rejoice every now and again. No, always, always. And so uh, in, just in my notes, one of the tools that I use in this area to make sure that I am rejoicing all the time is to always compare yourself with somebody who is less fortunate than yourself. You know, the, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and all those type of things. They give us these little snapshots of people's lives in that beautiful pinnacle moment when they are experiencing life and life to the full. And if we compare ourselves to people who in that moment seem to be living life in a better way than we are, how many of you know what the result of that is? Anybody have any experience with that? Right? We can have things like jealous and envious and covetous and those type of things, which cause us to become discontent. But I will say to you in this Christmas time, not only to compare yourselves with people who are perhaps in certain circumstances less fortunate than we are, but can I also encourage you to focus on them to the place that you are uh, desiring to pull them up to where you are. And so not only to just have that thing where I compare myself to them and, oh, yes, I feel so good, you know but also be focused on how do I help them to get to the place where they can come up to where I am. And I believe that as we build a culture of that or a human culture of that, uh, things will drastically change. Number two, uh, th this concept of moderation, we're gonna spend a little bit of time here and that may be all that we do tonight. Um, how many of you have uh, the word moderation tattooed on your body? Anybody think that's like, that's my objective. I'm looking to be moderate in all things. There's probably nobody on the planet that has got this as a buzzword in their lives. What I'm really trying to do is have moderation in all things. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to unpack a little bit because there was neither was it a word on the pro side of, in my vocabulary either. I didn't feel moderation was something to be sought after. Um, but Paul it kind of throws it in here, let your moderation not just be, you know, happening every now and again, but he says, let your moderation be known to all men. It should be something that is visible out of your lives at all times. And so uh, I'm going to try and unpack a little bit of this for us, just so that we can maybe get a little bit of understanding of why Paul would have found this to be such an important concept as he is building to the place of learning how to be content. So I want to give you a little bit of an idea uh, just of, I think, where things are, are, why Paul was thinking about that. Imagine that you are at a, uh, um, uh, at a meal where you can eat as much as you want. And just think about eating until the, t until the place where you vomit. 
And so you can imagine, um, you know, even though it started out to be a, an awesome experience, it actually ended up not being an awesome experience. And compare that to you, 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 you took the, the, you know, a little bit of what you wanted and then about 75% away into it, you stopped. Now you see what you did was you started off with a, in the first example, you started off with a positive and you ended with a negative. In the second example, you started off with a positive and you ended with a positive. And so by understanding the principle of moderation and what that does inside of our own lives, we can recognize in fact that we are setting ourselves up to live in a constantly positive place. Even to the get, like if we take a look at it as, as a meal, then I get to the end of the meal looking forward to the fact that I'm gonna get to eat another meal. I, you know, I've been in a couple of situations where I, you know, I thought that I'd swallowed a screwdriver. I'd eaten so much food <laughs> that it was pressing, must, I don't know if I was about to explode, but it was a very unpleasant experience for a, quite a long time as my body tried to deal with the fact that I had overindulged. And it became quite, an, and I was not ending that meal at all. Think, I'm thinking, I'm never going to eat again. <laughs> it had created such a negative. How many of you are familiar with those kind of thoughts? And so when Paul is, uh, is, is releasing to us this concept of moderation, it's got actually some logic to it. It would seem that it's not logical. I mean, if you, you know, if you get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, that's what you want to do. You want to, you know, go to the smorgasbord and just eat until you burst. That's not actually a positive experience. And so, and, and I want to talk about this because it's, you know, as Pastor Tina was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I do things a little bit logically, you know, it's, it's the way it makes sense in my mind. So I feel like the Lord has given me license tonight from the prophetic voice. <laughs> to be a little bit graphic, you know, to try maybe use a little bit of mathematics with you tonight, um, to help us to understand a little bit about what happens here when we have a principle that, is, that we are governed by in our lives that really encourages us to live in a place of constant moderation. And so here's what I want to kind of to talk through with you, at least one of the, I got a couple of graphs for you tonight, so I'll leave myself some room. And so if this is the amount of energy that we expel doing things in our lives, and this is the point here where we do things very poorly, all the way to the place where we do things perfectly. I think Alex, Pastor Alex has used that word as well. Now, if you imagine in your own life, the amount of energy that it takes to do things very poorly, and you'd, you'd realize that really hardly takes ener any energy at all. Can I tell you what the curve looks like when you're doing this? The curve kind of goes like this, like that, to the place where to do something perfectly, as, as Alex said a couple weeks ago, it's, it's impossible. You just don't have enough energy. You can't, get, you can't get to the place of perfect. But sometimes that we can be so focused on moving, where if you, let's say we were, uh, let's say you're here on the curve, Getting to be a little bit more, uh, getting a little bit better actually doesn't create a lot of, it doesn't use up a lot of energy. And you can constantly go along till about here when things are getting, you know, let's say 75% of the way, 
you're, you're getting a lot better output and th life is getting a lot better and the things that you are doing are just so much more satisfying to you because you're putting effort into them. But you're doing that, uh, you're, you're getting a lot more out of it for the amount of energy that you're putting into it because you've moved literally from a 50% quality output or whatever you want to call it to 75% quality output and it really hasn't used up You've only gone from this amount of energy to that amount of energy. Now let's take a look at what happens next. In order to get to 80%, you get up here. To 90%, you get up here. To 91%, you get up here. And you start when you're overly committed to the concept of perfection and you're not doing things in a, in a, with a mechanism of moderation. I'm not saying live down on the low end of output. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that. What I'm trying to explain to you is sometimes we get overcommitted to excellence. Let's not say that. Overcommitted to perfection in too many places in our lives. And then what happens is we're, we get ourselves burned out. And imagine if, I, if, I, if I'm at Christmas time, since this is our se the season that we're at, if you're watching this at a different time of the, of the year, then you have to indulge me with my story. You see, if my only objective over Christmas was to eat, and let's say that I wanted to get as close to perfection as I possibly could in the amount that I eat, you know, if I, if I dedicate myself to it, I can eat quite a bit. I don't know if you've ever seen me eat, but I can, I can eat. But then what happens if I am trying to balance how much I eat with how much I weigh? Can you see that there's now two different factors? I want to be really good at eating, and I want to be really good at maintaining my weight. Is that right? That's now created two things that I want to be really good at, which would appear to be contradicting each other. Now, what if I say I'm going to be really good at what I eat, I'm going to be really good at maintaining my weight, and I'm going to be really good at exercising? Now, all of a sudden, it's, do you see how it's becoming very complicated to live with perfection as my goal in perfect eating, perfect weight maintenance, and perfect exercise? And then I add, what if I want to also get perfect nutrition? All of a sudden, it's like you already see, and I'll, this is all I'm doing is sitting down for a hot dog, and I got a, so many things that are being that are creating me stress because I'm trying to do everything without using this concept of moderation. I'm good if I get close, if I can sort of maintain my weight, if I could sort of get a lot of exercise, if I could sort of eat a lot, if I could sort of get good nutrition. If I'm just a little bit focused on being like somewhere between, let's say, 75 and 80% good job. Now what happens is I can actually get to probably 75% of pounding it back, 75% of my weight goal for January 1st, 75% of the days I'll be at the gym, and 75% of the time I'll get reasonable nutrition. It's actually doable. What's not doable is that I try to attack that simple equation 
without celebrating the fact that I'm going to be really happy if I can get about 75% of the way and be settled with that. This is why. When we are coming to January, right, we're all, gonna, we're all getting ready, you know, maybe bought, you've bought your piece of paper and you've bought your pen where you're going to write down, you know what I'm going to say, right? It's, you're going to write that New Year's resolution down. What exactly is that? Well, what that is, is it is, a, it is a, uh, like a, 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 an area of your life that you are going to prioritize. I'm going to get better at this particular piece. I'm going to read a book, or I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to eat better, or I'm going to smile more, or whatever. I don't know what your objective is. But can I tell you something? In order for that to actually get done, you have to be able to dedicate some of your life energy towards getting it done. Now, if you are, like most people, completely frazzled out of your brain by being up in here in far too many areas, you don't have the life energy available to make any changes. To get any change, like setting a, a, a priority over here or a priority over there, it just doesn't work. The very thought of adding something else to the pile of crap that you have to look after every day causes stress already. You didn't even try doing it yet. <laughs> just the idea that you were going to try to do it is already stressing you out. It's already bringing you into a place of discontentment. And discontentment is locking you. This is so important. It's locking you in the finite realm. You're not even considering going over and getting God's help or realizing that there are ways of making significant progress in your life by understanding not how to more powerfully manipulate the finite realm, but to become so good wow. at, man at manipulating is a bad word of utilizing yeah. the infinite realm that God has given us, oh, has wow. given us access to. That's so good. When we bring the stress meter, the frazzle meter down in our life, all of a sudden we have the ability to start uh, to step onto a place of constant improvement in our lives. It's literally the tool that frees up a whole bunch of life energy because I'm not looking to go uh, be, you know, crazy in every single area that my life touches all the time. The table has to be the best. The food has to be the best. My clothing has to be the best. The house has to be the cleanest. The car has to be the cleanest. On and on and on and on. I'm discontent and so, I'm just so aware of how much I'm falling short that's driving me through this force of discontentment. Instead of just saying, you know what? How about if very good becomes very good? Our culture doesn't like that. We have a nothing but the best will do culture. If we fall short in even the smallest place, it creates all kinds of you know, inner turmoil. And we have to get to the place where we celebrate now what Paul is talking about when he says, 
Moderation should be known. We should be known to be people who celebrate very good, who celebrate excellent, who are not bothered by the fact that we fall a little bit short of perfection on a regular basis. The more things you declare to be important, the more moderation becomes important. Without moderation, constant improvement becomes impossible. The better balanced we are, the more life we have to devote to the one thing we want to improve. Learn to push away from the table when you are at 75%. Learn to push away from the table when you are at 75%. I know that sounds, that sounds like I'm promoting less than excellent from your life. I'm, I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm trying to free up a little bit of your life in order to pursue excellence in the areas that actually matter to you. When you get to January, you know, we haven't announced it yet, but the series that we're dealing with in January is going to talk a lot about what Pastor Tina was talking about earlier, about grabbing onto the purpose and the mission of what God has for your life. When we are completely stressed to the max by trying to be... Uh, you know, perfect or whatever in so many areas of our lives. And then when it comes time to God delivering to us that which he desires to be the excellent output of your life, it's like, I don't have the energy for that. And so many Christians, particularly kingdom-minded people, have bought into, I have to be perfect for in every area working as under the Lord, that now I don't have any work, any, any energy left to actually do what God's asking me to do. If we work as under the Lord, the Lord said moderation in all things. Does that make some sense? That word that, it, that Paul uses for moderation there is a word that talks about balance. To be able to be a very balanced person, uh, like uh, equity or fair or balanced is what that word is talking about. And so when we understand that there is a balance between how much I eat and how much I weigh and how much I exercise and how much nutrition I get, those are all things that are all being weighed into the balance of how I am going to relate to the dinner table. And when I remain in balance in all of those things, all of a sudden it becomes a very joyful experience. I'm not stressed out when I'm at the table. I'm not stressed out when I'm doing the things that I'm doing, wherever that would be in your work, in your business, in your relationships, in your family, with your kids, when you're at the dinner table, when you're working on your hobbies, whatever it would be, when I'm in that spot of being just whole and balanced, all of a sudden I become, I so much enjoy the things that I am, being, that I am relating to. Uh, Paul says this, be careful for nothing. And that's talking about release. That's talking about getting rid of the fear, the dread, and the selfishness that would be attached to all of these things that we are tending to in life. Fear, dread, and selfishness are related to our personal feeling of being weak, vulnerable, and alone. And so deal with that. Cast your cares, as it were. Be careful for nothing because we recognize that God is with us, that God is on our side. We have not, you know, we grew up in a culture where you were constantly casting your cares on the Lord. That's maybe something that has not necessarily been, uh, you know, what we major on anymore. 
but realizing that what I need to be able to do in all of these negative situations when I'm feeling the fear, the dread, or the selfishness that's attached to whatever it would be. We have Christmas as our, you know, invading our peace right now. But no matter what area of our life we are dealing with, becoming skillful at releasing my cares, realizing that the concept that I am weak or vulnerable or alone is actually an illusion. Because if God is with me, as we, you know, the thou art with me teaching that we did earlier last, uh, this year, when I realize that God is with me, I realize that the concept that I am weak, vulnerable, and alone is just an illusion. It's a lie. So then I can easily associate, oh, I'm afraid or I'm, uh, you know, I'm scared about the future or, you know, I need to worry about me. I don't have time to worry about anybody else. All of those type of things, those are all just illusions. Stop in in emotion. If you can listen to the things that are driving you in that area that are causing so much discontentment and realize I'm just focusing on the wrong thing right now. I'm being pressure, I'm, I'm, I'm having the pressure put on me. And all I need to do is stop for a moment and realize it's just an illusion. I have this written in my notes. We, when you bring it to the Father, you want to be able to leave it alone, right? He says, in all things by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And then leave it. And then leave it. Can I tell you one of the things? I'll draw you another, I'll draw you another graph. One of the things that I use all the time uh, when I can, you know, if I'm getting a little bit antsy about something is I realize that in my soul, if I look on the positive side, one, two, three, four, let's say, and then minus one, minus two, minus three, and minus four, excuse me, minus, that's a minus sign there. (laughs) When I think about having something, I'm way up here. And then when I think about not having that thing, it's way down here. When I imagine something in my mind, what can happen is the the benefit I am receiving from having it is enormous. And And the negative I feel from not having it is really enormous as well. And what happens, that what I try to be able to do is realize that having it isn't really as great as thinking about having it. And not having it is really not as bad as thinking about not having it. And so what I can, what I do is I try to get this curve to come down. So I realize that, you know, like I say that often to to so many people, you know, I have a, I have a motorcycle believed for many years for a motorcycle and was blessed with one, but you know, you don't change the oil in the motorcycle you're believing for. You don't have to store it. You don't have to buy new tires. You don't have to put gas in it, right? Nobody scratches the one in your imagination. It's actually not as awesome to have something as it is to imagine having something. It's also not as bad to not have it as you think it is. And so what you can also do is you realize that it's also not bad as you start thinking, well, it's not that bad that I don't have one. I don't have a motorcycle, but I got other things to do, yeah. right? Yeah. And so you start realizing that you can bring this, how bad does it feel to not have it? You can actually begin to minimize how negative that it feels on the inside of you. Yeah. 
because it's not as bad as you think. Not having enough money for Christmas is, maybe you think it's a terrible thing. It's actually not that bad. There's worse things. Right? And so when we realize that we are, uh, we can, uh, if we do not govern our soul well about what the, the imaginations, we can actually let, keep this constantly up there and keep this constantly down here and live in this place of terrible discontentment because I'm so afraid that I won't get it and I'm so desiring that I would get it, but I don't think I really am going to get it. Like you look at just as a Christmas gift kind of a thing. How do you relate to that? Instead of that, if we can get to the place where you could say, I don't care either way. I think that's what Pastor Alex was talking about when he was talking, that we have to let go of the care. Can I tell you something? When you let go of the care, let's say it like this. When you need it to lean towards you, sometimes you're forcing it to lean away from you. But when you don't care if it leans towards you, something magical happens. And it starts to lean towards you. I think that's what, the door is talking about is when I can get all of these discontented feelings of I wish I had it and I don't have it all. If I can just get it to the place where I can just get to the, I, it, it really doesn't matter as much as I thought. I'm not going to let my soul go crazy because I wish I had it or because I know I don't. I'm going to bring myself back into what Paul was saying, release all that stuff, give it over to God. And what we're able to do out of that is we're able to bring ourselves to a place where discontentment is easily removed from my life. And the final one that Paul was talking about then was, uh, where's my notes here? He, he began to speak about, think on these things. Whatsoever things are honest and true, and just, and pure, and lovely, and virtuous, and praiseworthy. He said, think on these things. Rehearse them in your mind. Can I tell you something? And this is a really super bold statement, but I've spent a, I've spent a few years at this. If, if you cannot get hold of the thoughts that you think, you are destined to live a life in the finite realm. The only way we have access to the infinite realm is if we know how to always think on these things. Can I tell you I have discovered the super emotion because there's emotions, good ones, bad ones. But there's a super emotion. A super emotion is one that controls pretty much all the other ones. How? I should take an offering up before I give you this one. <laughs> How would you like to know what the super emotion is? Are you ready for it? Whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy, of good report, can I tell you something? If we just learn how to be grateful. When we learn how to be grateful, taking every moment of every day, letting gratitude 
be the predominant emotion, even if at first I force myself to be grateful. If I do my 100 things I'm grateful for list, and I focus on get, keep going until you get 100 things that you are grateful for, so that you've trained your mind on how to be grateful. Can I tell you when you observe, if you are using that super emotion, when you look at the thoughts that are in your head, forcing yourselves into a place of gratefulness, gratitude, Almost everything you see and perceive is going to be true and honest, yes. and just, yes. pure and lovely and praiseworthy and virtuous and of good report. Simply because we focused on being grateful. It literally aligns your entire soul well. Wow. When I am grateful, being content is just a step away. Wow. When I am not grateful, content, discontentment wow. literally covers me like a blanket. Wow. If the door and oper using the door to go one way is done with gratefulness, can I tell you, in order to get, forsake this and go back to the other side, you do that with ungratefulness. So it doesn't make it too complicated. As we set ourselves on our journey for the next, how many days do we got? I think a week from today is Christmas Day. Is that correct? Sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stress you out. I'm so sorry for saying that. Just for the next seven days. Between now and when we get to Christmas Day, let's set the accounting well on the things that really matter if I'm going to have the Christmas of my dreams. Yeah. You could do that so easily if you just set yourself to be grateful. Put your hand over your heart and say, Jesus, Jesus. I'm so grateful so for gratefulness. I'm so glad, I'm so glad. you've showed me the truth. And all I need to focus on is being grateful. And so, Father, I know this will be the greatest Christmas so far because I'm going to blanket it in gratefulness. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. 
Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.